The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome to Back on Air, the podcast all about living life after second chances, especially if you are someone who's been subjected to the nastiness of the internet and have been canceled. So we all deserve a second chance. And let's face it, we are coming up to the end of the first quarter. I actually don't know what the quarters are, but I know like fiscally speaking in a year, they divide it up into four quarters. And I started my podcast in March, so I haven't had a chance to discuss all of the hot topic cancellation culture coverage that's happened since, you know, the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. So I have my dear friend, Julia Austin, who is a fabulous stand-up comedian and one of Time Out LA Magazine's top 10 comics to watch for 2020 joining me. So we can really dive into this cancel culture that's occurred in 2020 and 2021 and see if it worked, quite frankly. So... Let's dive right on in. Miss Julia Austin, thank you so much for coming back on air with me to talk about cancel culture. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes. Well, I feel like before we get things completely going as we dive into all of these crazy stories, let's give a quick debrief on how we know each other, because this is kind of one of those weird universe throwing things in your life kind of situations. Do you remember how we met originally? Did you see me at a comedy show? I did. Yes. Several years ago, I saw you at a comedy show at a small pub off Sunset and you were the only female comedian. And I'm obsessed with female comedians in general and just not straight male comedians, no offense. And I (laughs) went up to you after the show and I said, oh my God, I have to follow you on Instagram. Instagram was still like not what it is now, you know? And you gave me your Instagram. And then I saw all this Ross dress for less content and all of these (laughs) things that I loved. And I stayed in touch with you. I also must have been bad at comedy at that time because that was like (laughs) six years ago or something. Now I'm, I've been doing it for nine years. And I think when you first saw me, I was like two years in or three years in. And I'm sure I thought I was very good at that time. And I'm sure. Well, let me tell you, you tickled my funny bone (laughs) because you were the only person I went up to. And so get this, dear listeners, because this is wild. So I, of course, had to move in with my parents to an apartment in North Hollywood because I went through a breakup while I was fighting my cancer and all of that stuff. And lo and behold, I move in and I meet this lovely neighbor. And then he says, oh, I'm actually moving out. You know, the, the new tenants are coming in in a couple of weeks. Lo and behold, it's you, Miss Julia Austin. You have now become my neighbor. Six years later, we were barely friends on social media. And now we're recording together and going to recap cancel culture. I know. It's so awesome. And you guys are great neighbors, too. I feel like it worked (laughs) out very well. Well, we're all like crazy dog people. So nobody's bothered by anyone's dogs. Like, just anything. (laughs) Oh, yes. And we should do a full disclosure that we are chilling with my little rescue chihuahua and my dad's pug. And we are babysitting my sister's pug. So we have a lot of dog personalities plus our personalities here today. So if you hear any barking or whatnot, you know, just just let us live. (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So let's dive into cancel culture, Julia, because things are just taking a turn. Cancel culture is the hot button word. You know, it's it's this year's snowflake. Remember when that was like the word liberals were being called snowflakes and then liberals took back the word snowflake and are using it against. Oh, my gosh. It was just such a mess. That's what's happening with cancel culture. It's kind of snowballing into this like nightmare situation where the lines are blurred of accountability versus being told you did something wrong, sometimes not being wrong at all. And just people are mad at you. You know, there's there's so many different worlds of cancel culture. And I just want to bring up that it disproportionately affects those who are famous. So this is a public service announcement. At the end of the show, Sarah McLaughlin will sing and we can all donate to help celebs who've gone through cancel culture. But let's really get into this. So we've had a lot of things happen since the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021 that really hit the media in a weird way. And some of it was really funny and like kind of crazy. And some of it's a little bit more serious. So one of the first things that jumped out at me at the beginning of the year was Alec Baldwin's wife, Ilaria, as she pronounced it, Hillary, showing or revealing somehow that she was living not a lie, but a fake persona saying that she was from Spain or or identified as a Spanish person. Did you hear about this at all, Julia? Yeah. So basically, we think she was playing up her Spanish heritage. Do we think that she got some sort of benefit from playing this up? Well, the fascinating thing that was revealed is she has no Spanish heritage, actually. Aside maybe her like ancestry and me, 23 and me, whatever. She doesn't she's not actually from Spain whatsoever. Her parents were just fond of vacationing over there. 23 and me was the worst thing that ever was created for white people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So true. And I, re- I have this vivid memory of just going to uh, uh, Ireland when I was very when I was like in my teens and And I had befriended someone who was British and he said, whatever you do, when they ask where you're from, do not say, oh, I'm 20% British. I'm, I'm 10% Irish. I'm he said, just say you're American and just move on. Like, I don't want that kind of embarrassment. And good God, you are right. 23andMe has created monsters out of all of us. But the thing is, yeah, Ilaria, as she likes to go by, was never Spanish. And it was a huge reckoning. Alec got involved. He made these very squirmy social media uh, posts. And she was essentially canceled in a way for appropriating culture. I will say she made the smart move. If you're going to fake be a culture, at least she picked like a white European centric culture to appropriate. You know, she wasn't she wasn't (laughs) acting, you know, like a Rachel Dolezal situation on her hands. So did she really get canceled for a minute? We were all kind of calling her out, making fun of it. And then she took a break and she came back And just a couple days ago, she was celebrating Spain's Mother's Day on Instagram. I mean, the thing is, I think anyone that ever gets canceled needs to know the world will really move on. They really will. because, And especially because anytime people cancel you, it's kind of always about them. I think that people that are super into cancel culture and canceling people, it's more just being a part of that is part of their identity. Mm -hmm. They love to be the ones that are screaming about how woke they are and how they're advocates for this and that. And that's like their whole thing. And they will always find a new thing every day to like center that on. So anytime someone gets canceled, it will be forgotten. That's true. (laughs) That's true. And and then that's where it comes into the other thing. And you'll hear as we start talking about some of these other stories, when there's a serious story, like the army hammer thing, which we are not going to touch with a 10 foot pole, but like that was true accountability being held. That's not canceling when you're committing crimes 
that is being held accountable for your actions. But I definitely agree with this mob mentality online. And it was so funny with the hilarious stuff because she really wasn't harming anyone. She was just kind of lying. It was, it was very much like, oh, I was 16 and studied abroad for a summer and I came back from Italy and now I say spaghetti, you know, like it was very much that vibe, but it wasn't harmful. She wasn't hurting anyone, but there were still people on the front line saying cultural appropriation. And of course it is cultural appropriation, but it was blown out of proportion and dwindled down and now she's still celebrating Mother's Day. So was she canceled? Kind of. Did it work? No, not at all, because she's still living as Ilaria Baldwin and celebrating all her Spanish identities. Well, the other thing is, is she's just having like what almost every white girl has when they study abroad for a minute. She's just doing what they do, which is they come back and they're like, for like a year, everything in America is stupid. And they just tell you, well, this is how they do it in Paris where I was. Well, when I was in Spain and this and that, and it's like, it's annoying. And and that friend really bothers you until they get it out of their system. But unfortunately she's famous. So (laughs) unfortunately she's also not, you know, going on her senior on her senior high school trip. She's doing it on social media for the past 10 years as part of her identity, which is very confusing. Oh, gosh. Well, that's hilarious. She start kicked off the year with quite a fun cancellation to kind of counter the army hammer issue. And then, of course, I don't know if you heard about the gays over COVID Instagram account. Are you familiar with this at all? Immediately, I'm like, is it that gays are over COVID like they're tired of it or they're so yes it is they are tired of it but so the account was started it's a very sassy name because it's basically gays are over COVID and they are not going to abide by any of the government regulations and rules so it was an account made we're assuming by someone within the gay community and it was used to call out people in the gay community oftentimes nurses and doctors with larger followings who were saying one thing, but then being shown on different social media platforms doing very different things. And the best example of this would be there was a huge gay party in Puerto Vallarta in Mexico for New Year's Eve and gays over COVID covered all of it. And they basically doxed people on social media and said, oh, your doc, your favorite doctor that you follow, who's like this fit guy, you know, he's like super hot gay guy. Oh, he just got the first dose of the vaccine very early on before most of us could, you know, get it. And now he's partying in Mexico and he with a no mask on in a rager with 2000 people. And this kept happening and happening. And they just kept shining a light on more and more people who were kind of going against the grain. And then, of course, because things like this always come to a head, it becomes this thing of, well, why are you calling out gay people? Gays aren't the only ones who are over COVID and who are acting this way. And so the defense was, well, I'm gay. This is my community. And I feel strongly about calling out my community. But again, we have this discourse because I have friends of friends who were being shown on this site who feel like they've earned their trip to Puerto Vallarta. You know, they've worked in the medical field all of 2020 in the pandemic. So it's like, where do we stand with that? You know, like who, who's right and who's wrong in this situation? Well, for any group that's like been historically marginalized, any other group that's been historically marginalized, if they were doing a thing where they were just calling out people from their group, it would probably be majorly problematic where we would be like, why are you making your group look as bad as possible 
when we're supposed to be elevating this group. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So again, I don't have, I don't know if I agree with gays over COVID for a while. I did, did agree with what they were doing. I thought it was really powerful to call out people who were really being hypocritical, you know, getting the first dose of the vaccine. Take my story. I was immunocompromised and I had to wait until April to get the vaccine. And I'm seeing doctors posting thirst traps of themselves getting the vaccine and then flying off to Puerto Vallarta before they even get the second dose. So it makes you question the system. But then I quickly saw the other side of it, which was gays over COVID was running out of content because people were starting to, you know, be like, oh, I better act right. And so, so it did work to a degree, the cancellation, but then again, it, it ended up hitting one guy the hardest. And I don't know this guy personally, Sam Cushing. He's a, he's a gay influencer, fitness influencer. He's very good looking. His brand is a little superficial, you know, very focused on working out. That's some people's thing. No, no problems. But he became kind of the brunt of gays over COVID. He represented everything that gays over COVID stood against. So it's never good to put all that anger and put it against one face because he was one of 2000 people in that crowd in Puerto Vallarta. And some of them weren't gay. So I, I get what you're saying, too, of like calling out different people. I don't know. The whole thing was a mess. Well, the other thing I'll say is we caught him in one moment when he was misbehaving there's a very good chance that he does a very good job with COVID protocol 99% of his life. The media just waits and pounces on that one time that you make a mistake. And then they just make it seem like that's your whole thing. Like that's what you're doing yeah. all the time where it's like, he's probably, you know what I mean? Like even when well, you Well, that's have- true. And I would love to have him on this show to hear his side of the story because he did make a few missteps. He lied that he wasn't in Mexico and then he had left his location on. So he was clearly in Mexico. So a few oh. little missteps like that. Because then it's like, well, why did you feel the need to lie? You know, like it was just if a few things. But again, nothing got resolved. You know, he still has half a million followers and is making his money and doing his thing. And, and nothing's, you know, didn't lose sponsorships. Gaze over COVID is I don't even know if it's still around. I would even say, you know, they say uh, all publicity is good publicity or whatever. And with cancel culture stuff, a lot of times that proves to be true unless it is really a decidedly terrible thing, like a sexual predator thing or something like that. But a lot of times what happens is something like this comes out and sure you lose some fans, but then you literally draw the attraction of all these new fans who didn't even know who you were before this story, but take your side on it. And so now they're converted to your fans. (laughs) You're so right about the new fans. And something that re-caught my attention in 2021 was do you remember the fake German heiress, Anna Delvey, that that caught on a few years ago and was sentenced and her whole wild story? Mm-hmm. We watched her American Greed episode. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And so that was pre the word cancel culture, but she was canceled because people felt duped and just couldn't believe, you know, that she was able to infiltrate such society, you know, New York society. She was able to infiltrate it and not just infiltrate it, but convince people to give her enough money to start like a private art, not just a studio, but like a four story building in the most expensive part in Manhattan. Insanity. And she was caught, arrested and served her time. Now, did you know that on February 21st of 2021, she was freed I actually just learned this today. (laughs) Isn't that insane? So she sold her life rights to Netflix and now she got an early release. I'm assuming because of COVID and all of that stuff. And now it's like, has she 
paid her time? You know what I mean? Like, has she served the time for her crime and now she's uncanceled? Because she's surely benefiting. You just mentioned a special that you watched of her. I just watched a new special on HBO Max about her. She's got a movie coming out on Hulu. I think a movie coming out, obviously, she sold her rights to Netflix. Like, that's crazy. And she's not going to learn any lesson unless those two or three years in prison taught her anything. Not only is she not going to learn her lesson, she's learned the wrong lesson, which is just... Continue to misbehave. People are obsessed with people who game the system and more than they want to punish you. They want to know how you did it. It's terrible because that's a lesson she learned is she totally misbehaved. She conned people of millions, if not billions. I don't know. And now she's just going to be paid even more so that the story can be told. Like we should, as a society, give her no more attention, but we really want to know everything. So she's going to just... I will say this, though, just to play the devil's advocate, and I love that we're back and forth like going devil's advocate on this. I think that the attraction that we're facing for her is not the typical one where it's like, oh, well, she was this young ingenue and so beautiful. And it wasn't like that. I think it was because she was young and she wasn't this beautiful ingenue. She was just an everyday person. And I think that is what like as a millennial, as a poor millennial, I think that's what attracted us to the story. Like, whoa, she could do it. And it's almost fucked up of us as millennials to look at it as like a good thing. Like, wow, she really conned the system. Go her. Because if you think about it, she didn't really, besides her poor friend who she conned out of, God, I don't know how much money, which by the way, her friend also got a book deal and wrote a very successful book. So, you know, people are profiting off of this, but there's no consequence for this Anna Delvey. And... She took down a system that has been in place for so long. So we celebrate it in a way she kind of just struck at the right time. Like her crime was committed at the perfect time where we're sick of the super rich. You know, we're sick of like the billionaire old men making decisions. So even though she did horribly illegal things, my devil's advocate for her is, well, at least it was a young girl from a poor, humble beginning, as opposed to some another white Wall Street guy playing the system, you know? Well, first of all, she didn't steal from the rich and give to the poor. She just gave to herself. <laughs> Do you know? That's a very good point. You know what I mean? But devil's 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 advocate. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people will say that she didn't necessarily con people. Now I know that there was faking of documents, which is straight up illegal, but there's a lot of people she conned just kind of through charm and just really just pure charisma. Yeah. Like she had the one friend who she said, oh, I, I forgot my credit card. I'm so sorry. Do you mind if we put the hotel on yours? Exactly. And her friend did it and <laughs> she know. didn't have to do it. I mean, this is a case of a friend said, I'll pay you back and then didn't, which happens amongst people over cheeseburgers all the time. And nobody persecutes anyone for it or whatever. Is that the right word? This just happened to be more of like a $5 million like hotel <laughs> palace situation. But the truth is, She did not get in trouble for that thing because the truth is the friend willingly put her credit card down and paid for it. So go off on Anna Delvey. I guess we'll wait to see the true story or whatever version of the story you tell to Netflix. Who knows? Now let's get into, oh my goodness, Demetria Lovato. Miss Demi Lovato. She kicked the year off right. We were all on her side. She had this horrible ex she was engaged to. We learned a little bit more about it through her very revealing documentary. And it turned out we were all going to team up and cancel this guy, this unknown actor that she kind of quarantined with and just had this fast, young Hollywood love with. 
And as soon as they broke up, it turned out he was just annoying as fuck, to be honest. (laughs) I mean, he was just an annoying kid. And he went on social media and did his own press tour just via social media, which I mean, it's amazing. We can all just use social media as our own. You know, we don't we don't even need access to a cable news station anymore. So he, he orchestrated this whole sad breakup story, trying to get people to feel bad for him. He was converting to Christianity from Judaism because he was filming a Christian faith movie, you know, those very popular faith based movies. And yeah, somehow he got, he was able to get publicity about how he got baptized on set while he was filming a Christian based movie. It was a mess. And so all of Demi Lovato's fans, which are of course called the Lovatics, they backed her up and we were all against her ex. We were all cancel him. He's so annoying. He's using her clearly for publicity. Oh, how the tables turned quick. Because just like you said, we forgot about him. And guess who's left? Superstar Demetria. And she comes in on the day of the Capitol riots. Now, are you familiar with her tweets on the Capitol riot days? I'm actually not familiar with this. Let me tell you, Julia, because (laughs) she decided in the midst of all the Capitol riots and we're worried for our nation and all of this stuff, she sends out a tweet that she's disgusted at the lack of democracy or something along those lines, and that she's heading into the studio to record a song. Oh, and then there was no song. Well, gracefully, there was no song because I think her team intervened pretty quick and said, (laughs) no, 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 no. Demi Lovato, you are the voice of a lot of things, but you are not the voice of the insurrectionist Capitol riots. And with that came a new wave of cancellation away from her fiance onto her. Okay, the thing is, We need to stop thinking that just because someone is really good at singing or whatever they're good at, that their opinions on things like capital riots matter. Like, (laughs) Oh my God. So true. And I know I was joking at the beginning saying like, oh, cancel culture disproportionately affects celebrities. It affects people who are, who have a lot of followers and who can garner mass hatred or mass love and mass support. Like cancel culture, the concept is so stupid in general. And exactly, why are we looking to to Demi Lovato's tweets for her thoughts on January 6th? But furthermore, she takes it upon herself to be like, the world needs my input on this situation. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm sorry, were you a poli sci major that I'm unaware of (laughs) or what? Do you know what? And my, for the record, my opinions on these things don't really matter. Everyone's opinion, quote unquote, matters. But when it's a celebrity, somehow we get to the point where it's like, well, they have multiple million followers. And for this reason, they must have something important to say about these major world events. And it's like, no, 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 no. The followers are there for the singing. Let's just keep it simple. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and it's and it's true to me, uses a lot of personal experience in her lyrics. And that is fabulous for her. And you can appreciate that. But again, she is the last person we're looking to, to have a, a song written about this. Have anybody else do it? I mean, she's truly the boss. I would put Ariana Grande just one step above her of who I would want to hear sing about the Capitol insurrection. Even as I'm saying, I'm saying, what the fuck was she thinking tweeting that? She did. You know what? On this one, I'm just going to say it. She kind of deserved the, the backlash for that one. No one was given her death threats. I mean, as far as I know, but she deserved the make fun of and the memes because there were a lot of hilarious memes about that. (laughs) And I'm just going to say she deserved that for that one. But continuing on with Demi Lovato, and you said something that just proves the point. She felt so empowered to speak out. And we quickly realized as I covered just a couple weeks ago with Demi Lovato's Froyo gate. Oh yes. This story makes me so mad that she is quick to speak out on anything, not just capital riots, 
Julia, why don't you enlighten us a little bit more on your take? Because I've given my opinion. The Froyo story made me so incredibly angry. I mean, I'm angry for all the same reasons that people are like, it's a small business. Why are you attacking them? And I was talking to my husband about it today. And I was like, so she's triggered by any reference of dieting or needing to lose weight, anything that insinuates on a menu somewhere that someone at some point may be trying to lose or manage weight is a problem. Oh, and also not just weight dietary restrictions, because she was also triggered by the words like gluten-free and vegan. Just side note. It's like, just let's all remember that every cheesecake factory across America has a straight up like Weight Watchers portion of the menu. And I might be getting the restaurant wrong and I might be getting the type of menu wrong, but it's something like every TJ Fridays, every Applebee's has like a part of their menu that's specifically like- The low calorie menu. The low calorie, the whatever, the, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I'm so tired of people thinking that the world has to bend over backwards to accommodate their triggers, right? And, Mm -hmm. And by the way, as someone who I was anorexic, when I was younger oh, wow. and I'm recovered from that, oh, wow. I go in and I see these things all the time. And A, the fact that she was triggered shows that she's not recovered and that's okay. And I, and I hope that she does find full recovery. But when you're fully recovered, you're not angered by those things. You completely understand that like, that's a pretty normal part of society. You know what I mean? And yeah. you know, like, if you're triggered, that's you, that's you, that's your stuff. And you're not totally healed. Mm-hmm. surrounding that that's, topic. That's the vibe I got. And ju- I just want to say thank you for being so open and honest and sharing that part about your past, because I know a lot of people, it's not something easy to talk about. And you just sharing that you're recovered and that, I mean, this is not your opinions based on, you know, what you think is right. This is from you, you know, from experience. Yeah. And I have the assumption, but I can't, I would never assume this about anyone, but I have the assumption that what she was doing did not seem to be the behavior of someone who was fully recovered because why would you be acting like such a. Well, also recovery is, uh, it's two parts. It's physical and it's like mental, emotional, right? Like first the physical has to be addressed. And I know this is a whole other topic, but it's like, if you're so thin that you're about to die, if you're so overweight that you're at risk of um, weight issues, whatever way it goes for you, the physical needs to be addressed right away right? Whatever steps needs to be taken because you need to literally be alive. So first you address the physical, but just because you get on track and have someone helping you to eat correctly and like address the physical, the emotional mental takes years beyond that for you to get to a place where like your body and mind are working together and you are happy and feeling like at peace with Mm -hmm. the new, do you know what I mean? And, and I can tell she's not there with the mental yet because she's still triggered by those mm-hmm. things. But anyway, and that's, like I said, that's, yeah. I, I feel I, for her. And I, I just want to say, no, no, I agree with that. But I want to say, because this podcast is obviously not just about cancel culture, but also starting over and second chances and everything you just described that applies to my cancer journey. That applies to when you're healing from a breakup that applies to anything when you have to start over and second chances. And as problematic as Demi Lovato has proved to be this year, she is a good example of a celebrity who's currently going through the process of trying to make herself a better person. And so for that, even though as irritating as I find everything that she's been doing, I will always hold a bit of grace in my heart because I do know she's young and a child star and all of those things. Like you, like you just revealed, she's not fully recovered even. And how you know about eating disorders, I know about you know drug and alcohol addiction. And she also mentioned in the documentary that her version of sobriety no longer is full sobriety. She allows herself to drink in moderation and to smoke marijuana in moderation, which I also know. And Elton John was in the documentary and said, 
that's not a real thing. You cannot be in recovery and do that. And he said that in her documentary, she allowed that to be in her documentary. So she knows that this is a different route she's taking. But to me, there are some serious cracks in the system. Uh, like you said, like her, her going online and saying she was so triggered by this horrible thing. Me and my best friend went to the big chill. It's not triggering. I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's just not, it's not like a diet place. And there are diet places. You know, you go into a juice cleanse shop, that feels like you're going into a diet place. You go into Froyo place, guess what? You see chocolate chips, you're seeing cereal. I mean, I went into the big chill. I did not see the same thing. So that makes me believe exactly what you're saying. She was not just looking for it, but it's so apparent in her life that it's staring her down when she walks in. Yeah. If you go into a juice cleanse place in LA, there's literally drinks called your fat bitch. You know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> like that. yeah, well, there are truly triggering things and it's part of their yeah. brand that they're like bitchy or whatever. No, but, but I think the most important thing there is she probably should have asked herself like, so is this really the evil that I need to use my platform to take down today? Is this little like small business? Exactly. And that's the thing with cancel culture is that it's often spending a lot of energy on something that is really we got bigger fish to fry out here. Okay. And like, thing, <laughs> yeah. And she's doing it. She was trying to get her fans riled up, whether she meant to or not. She wanted to get her fans riled up to make change that she thought was so greatly needed at this yogurt shop that I, I guess she's going to f- start frequenting. I don't fucking know. <laughs> so, but it's just so weird that she wanted them to get riled up to do that. And she's used to that because, you know, her fans do that. And the opposite ended up happening which is also something that happens in cancel culture. You, you sick them on someone else. And then guess what? The army of the big chill was bigger than the army of the Levatics in this, in this case. So, I mean, I think she was trying to gain favor with anyone who's on board with the body positivity movement, which I like to think that everyone's on board with the body positivity movement. But the problem with that is that she was more just my husband's favorite term is hating in the right direction. Do you know Ooh, what I mean? What do you mean? Meaning, Rather than promoting or elevating a good thing, your whole thing is always finding something to hate. And that's how you show where your values are. So she was going to like, I'm going to hate on this Froyo company. My fans will love this. And you know what I mean? And this will show where my values are. And instead, sometimes when people do that, that is where you sick them on something else sometimes, you know? Yeah, totally. And I guess, you know... We'll never know what it's like to be like that level of famous. And we'll never know what it's like to be a woman in the industry of that level of fame. Because I will say it's just so interesting, even with all of this stuff. And as you know, I'm a Britney Spears psychopath. Yeah. (laughs) And I keep up. I mean, we won't even get into that because that's a whole, you know, I have episodes dedicated to that. But during that whole fiasco of the Framing Britney Spears documentary coming out, we canceled Justin Timberlake and very publicly to the point that he had to make a public apology. And surprisingly enough, he did the apology and we just kind of moved on. Now I know it's comparing a little bit apples to oranges with Demi Lovato because Demi Lovato is actively seeking out this kind of stuff. But it is interesting that Justin just, he was immediately attacked and canceled and then he posted an apology within, I don't know, 48, 72 hours. And some of the comments were just, I mean, you would have thought the Messiah came down from earth and blessed us all with a, you know, 20 grand in our, in our pockets immediately. This is so beautiful. Thank you for owning up to your mistakes. You were such a strong man. I mean, what in the what? <laughs> well, in the sense you're like, should we be literally rewarding them and giving them trophies for just undoing the bad thing. And not that you can even undo it, but more just a Paul. I think it's more just 
The only thing that should happen is we we stop yelling at them, but we shouldn't necessarily be like giving them a crown because they apologized for yeah. being. Yeah, but that goes back again to the case of celebrities being put on this pedestal. And, you know, like we can accept an apology for the fact that Justin Timberlake treated Britney Spears as his scapegoat and like shit and then did the same thing to Janet Jackson during the Super Bowl halftime show and treated her as a scapegoat and treated her like shit. So we can admit to that. And he admitted to that. But good God, he apologized. That's all he did. He apologized 20 years too late. And now he's a king who's waiting for his crown. And because he was forced. Imagine if none of it had come out. Would there ever have been an apology? Everyone stream Backstreet Boys, not NSYNC. (laughs) But yeah, there is a disconnect. And it even happened with like Zac Efron's debuting his new face. Did you see his new face situation? He has a new face. What plastic surgery situation? Well, no one really knows. He was on a Zoom call doing a charity thing. And I don't like calling out people for like possible work done. Apparently it was very obvious. And I will post a picture. You guys have all seen, I'm sure. But To me, he still looks like him. And listen, I get Botox from time to time. My weight has fluctuated so much after being sick. So if he wants to do something, let him do it. But also like the way we viewed his possible cosmetic enhancements versus a woman's just so different. And it's just so crazy because the cancel culture, again, I mean, there was a real housewife who her name's Brandi Glanville. She was a real housewife of Beverly Hills. And now she's not even on the show for a few years. And she debuted a new face on her Instagram. She has much less followers than Zac Efron. It was her private, you know, just her little account with all her loyal followers. And that got picked up by the mainstream media. And she's like a D-list former reality star. And she's getting like burned to the ground for her face. Zac Efron has a little work done. Some people say a lot of work done. I'll show you the picture. But, you know, and then it's a a new story for less than 24 hours. That's wild. Okay, so you're saying we're harder on women for getting work done than men. I totally would have thought it was the other way. But you know what? On the one hand, I think as a society, we are more surprised when specifically straight men Mm -hmm. get work done. We're more surprised by it, but also not as interested in it. Like we don't talk about it nearly as long as we do like Portia de Rossi's plastic surgery that was like gone on and on about. They even had to like write about it in the Arrested Development resurgence because it was was so obvious that they needed to address it through the writing of her character. And Renee Zellweger having and getting something reversed because she you know, came back out for the Oscars for Judy, looking back as her old self again. Like, it's just wild. So no one was trying to cancel Zac Efron for his new face, but it's just interesting to note that some people really thought it was a dramatic transformation. And let's, like we said, like if Portia or Renee, when they revealed a somewhat different face, I mean, Renee had to go get surgery again to look like herself. That's insane. So what do you think is unfair about the situation? I didn't really think it through that much, to be honest. I just think the unfair aspect is, well, first of all, my heart goes out to Zac Efron because if he did feel insecure enough to get work done, it would probably be mortifying to get it called out publicly. So part of me, I just wish we would stop doing that kind of shaming. Listen, we're not going to. It's celebrity driven culture and a capitalistic society. That's not going to happen. So the other thing is, it's just sad that He gets this little media blitz and it disappears within a day. And like I said, a D-list former reality star who's a woman gets the same type of thing happen on a much smaller scale and gets the same media attention, much more negative for a much more extended period. 
it wouldn't really be what I would expect. I would have thought that the male would get more attention for longer. I know. I know. I don't know. We probably even reframe it differently when it's a man. We're like, how empowering. Men are doing it now, too. Whereas what it's a woman, we're still like, oh, she's so insecure. You know? (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so true. (gasps) Yeah, that is so true, which brings up like the Khloe Kardashian photo gate, which was that unedited picture of her that got released via her grandma's Instagram and some weird, confusing thing. And her journey to try to get it taken off the web so hard that it became the biggest media story. Now, I know you can't compare like, you know, Zac Efron's face to something that happens with the Kardashians because they're just so, oh my gosh, engulfed in so much media. You know, like when they do anything, it's just we're drowning in their news. But that was a bad look for for Team Kardashian and for Team Chloe going out of their way, messaging fan accounts, saying, please take this down, making up stories, saying it was stolen photo. That was crazy that it blew up that way. Here's a plot twist. Okay. What if it was all fabricated because they knew it would blow up? They're very good at getting as much attention as possible. Because what's the end result of this? We love Chloe more almost thinking, oh, she's so real. She still has all these insecurities. We feel for her. I almost think that's the end result. And it is funny to say the picture that was released, while though her body is not edited, her face does look to be lightly edited, which is even more suspicious. Interesting. And this is coming, you know, I'm a makeup artist. I know about uh, editing photos and things like that. And this is coming from someone like me. And I just took a glance at the photo And I just thought, that's interesting. If you're going to edit the face a little bit, you would just smooth out those little dimples that she was insecure about. By the way, her body looks fabulous, as I mentioned in the previous episode. Like, she looks amazing no matter what. But that's not the point. You know, if she's not comfortable with it, then it's her body, her, her, her body, her choice, even if it's a photograph. But yeah, it was interesting now. And now that you're saying that they are the publicity police. So I mean, think about it. She looks good in the photo. That's this, true. This, this no denying. This apparently problematic photo. She still looks hot in the photo. And they are not new to how things spread online. And they knew by messaging all these accounts and asking for the photo to be taken down, that literally that act of all the messaging would be published and would make the story go big. I don't know. I guess there's just a part of me that's like, I kind of think that the Kardashians can and do do whatever they want. And if they really wanted this thing gone, it would have been gone and we never would have known about it. There wouldn't have been this huge story about it that results in ultimately a very hot picture of Chloe being out and more sympathies for her (laughs) for being insecure. That is so true. And I do want to tease that I do have a super deep dive coming into the Kardashians. You cannot cancel these girls with a K, like no matter how many things they appropriate. I have a whole deep dive on that, Julia. I hope you listen to that because you're going to I think you're onto something <laughs> and we, we get into a little bit more of the, the media machine that is the Kardashians. So now we are caught up into the recent events, which is Billie Eilish's huge reveal for Vogue magazine. Did you see the pictures at all? Yeah, she looks awesome. Exactly. And it's so incredible because she is this new generation. And this is what gives me such hope for all of this crazy cancel culture that we're chit chatting about and stuff. She gives me a little bit of hope because she declared that she was not going to show her body. She wanted to wear baggy clothing and that was her whole vibe. And then she revealed this very blonde, gorgeous hairdo. And we're kind of seeing a new Billie Eilish. And, you know, she's only been around for a little bit. Huge. Blown up the music industry. And then 
drops the Vogue cover and she's in lingerie. She's still modest in a way, but we are seeing her curves. We are seeing her figure. We are seeing her cleavage. We're seeing a gorgeous woman showcasing her gorgeousness. And I was waiting for the other shoe to drop because I knew that people were going to get upset. Like she said she was not going to show her body. It was about her music. And I started to have flashbacks to Britney Spears saying I'm a virgin. And then, you know, that, that whole thing where pop stars would announce their virginity. Oh my God. And something happened where the cancel culture, we started to cancel the people who were criticizing Billie Eilish before it got out of control. And so I have not seen any negative press against Billie for these photos, except for one or two very conservative kind of Fox Newsy type people being like, oh, of course, once you get a little success, you'll sell out for anything. Besides a few comments like that, it's like the cancel culture is working in the opposite way. So... I don't know. It it still doesn't make me believe in cancel culture, but it gives me hope that there is, that this might be just a temporary era that we're living through and that we're pushing the boundaries the opposite way. Well, I definitely don't think we live in a time where you can criticize a woman for what she does with her body at all. Period. End of story. That is literally the end of the story for that one. Yeah. Right. It doesn't really matter if she said she was going to dress baggy for this. If this is some sort of new journey with her body and her identity and it's a turn that she took, there's no way that you could take her down for this decision. Do you know what I mean? She can Mm -hmm. definitely be like, well, I, you know what? I realized I wasn't comfortable with my femininity and now I think it's empowering and that's just where I'm at right now. You know? like Yeah. And she said, even in the interview with Vogue, she said that men are weak. She's dope. I mean, it's hard for me to get into her music because, you know, I'm very into pop music And she does not share my same style. And I try desperately to be a part of Gen Z. I, you know, I don't want to be chuggy or anything like that. And I try so hard to appease Gen Z for why I have no reason to. But I was very impressed with that lack of canceling Billy's Vogue cover because it is stunning. Well, things are definitely changing because I feel like back in the days when it was a huge good thing to be a virgin pop star. And if you did a, a photo shoot like that, you would lose all of your conservative followers. Exactly. And it was it was immediately a problem. And now there's just such a bigger wave of people who are like pro love your body, pro embrace your sexuality, your femininity. What used to be a problematic photo shoot is now an empowering photo shoot. And mm-hmm. if anyone tries to say it's problematic, they are the ones who are out of date. Yeah. They are the ones that need to shut up. Yeah. And then you can also just go watch the first 30 minutes of framing Britney Spears, the documentary to see how the pop stars 10, 20 years ago were treated and ask ourselves, do we really want to do that same thing to this 18 year old girl, Billie Eilish, whether we like her or not? Well, this is the thing about cancel culture is like a lot of the things we're canceling people for now is just something we're discovering. They did eight years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And if people can acknowledge that now things should be done differently, that's kind of maybe all that matters. Do you know what I mean? Like if now they understand why it's not okay, that should be enough. But instead we're like, we're going to just scrape everyone's history. And if they ever did anything problematic, canceled. (laughs) I think I, I do feel like we're getting out of the instant cancel for past behaviors. I mean, if the prime minister of Canada can be photographed in blackface and still be the prime minister, I think we're whatever for better or for worse. It seems like we're starting to forgive some of these people's 
missteps. And again, interesting to note, he is a man, a straight white man who's been forgiven for his blackface. And then you have like Tina Fey, you know, who took out a episode that comically portrayed blackface in 30 Rock. And I think if I remember correctly, it did have some poignancy in a very humorous manner to showcase the idiocy of blackface. But she still did not feel comfortable in her art to leave that up for the general public because she did not want it to be misconstrued. And I appreciate that, that thoughtful approach to your art and saying, you know what, that didn't need to be in there or that no longer needs to be in there. I appreciate that kind of stuff. But the broad wave of canceling, that's got to stop because it just benefits no one. It doesn't benefit us as a society and it doesn't benefit the person being canceled. And it really doesn't benefit the, the mob who's doing the canceling. They just get madder and madder. You know, you just get worked up. It's also what Black Mirror is that a show? That's yeah, a Black show, Mirror. right? Okay, so I there was an episode in which anytime you are trying to like resolve a conflict about a moment that happened in the past and you can't remember exactly who said what, you can literally at any point rewind and rewatch moments from your life to resolve it. I love that episode. It's supposed to be futuristic. It's kind of what is happening right now. It's like a yeah. real <laughs> instead of a video camera in your eyes where you can go into your brain and and revisit what happened, you can go onto social media and check back in and see what's happened. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. But I do believe this and I this is kind of what I think when it comes to cancel culture is like I mentioned at the beginning, once the word starts kind of leaning over to the conservative side, once Fox News starts mentioning cancel culture and they start applying it to their thing, I feel like that's a sign that it's kind of dead. You know, and I don't want to, I don't want to kill my, my whole thing here because like, obviously I talk about, we're still going to be canceling people left and right. But it is funny to notice that now Fox News is canceling, you know, anytime someone is uh, doing something that's liberal or, you know, or just... <laughs> not actually being canceled, Fox News will now say that it's cancel culture. So I feel like once you get to that level of mainstream, we're already good to go. You know, like the future <laughs> looks bright. We'll let them take cancel culture with snowflakes and it'll all just melt away. That's a pretty hilarious roast of Fox News, <laughs> which is like the second they start using something, we're like, well, I guess we've now learned that that's out of date. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it goes from Gen Z to millennials and then to Fox News. So, Julia, final thoughts on the on the cancel culture and these celebs that were keeping us entertained and worried throughout this first fiscal quarter of cancellations? Well, I kind of think that cancel culture will be canceled. <gasps> Meta. <laughs> but I think that someone else must have said that before I did. And, it, <laughs> and I hope that like everyone else and every other story that's been canceled, when cancel culture is canceled, we also forget it ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> we'll remember the crimes. Listen, if you committed the crimes, hopefully you're like paying the time for them. But we can't keep up. Imagine how tired we are keeping up with all of this. You just you said it sometime in the episode bigger fish to fry. But listen, we love our entertainment, so that's not going to stop me from canceling celebrities each week and every week. Okay, Julia, thank you so much for coming back on air with me. And before I let you go, I have to ask, what is your shitty self-care routine? My shitty self-care routine is getting Taco Bell and watching zombie movies. So like specifically bad zombie movies. Oh, like those B-rated, like, yeah, 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 oh yeah. yes. Okay. And what's your go-to Taco Bell order? Two crispy taco supremes, 
and one bean burrito. I used to love the Enchirito, but they don't carry it anymore, which is for the best because it's too much food for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say this. I am passionate about Taco Bell and I have a whole topic to talk about with them and their canceling of their menu items and stuff like that. But again, thank you for being here. Taco Bell is a story for another day. How can everyone find you and keep up with you and watch you perform live shows? Give us the Instagram and the way we can keep up with you, Julia. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at canines and coupons. All those words are spelled out. They're my two favorite things. (laughs) And I post all my flyers for upcoming shows on there. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. And we will talk to you all next week. Back on Air is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Bigas. The theme music is by Josie Mark. Thanks for listening. And please follow me on Instagram at Jared Lips, on Twitter at Jared M. Lips, and email the show backonairjared at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you stream podcasts, and I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.